Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. people here know what it's like to kind of be in need or want something? Anybody? See, when I, when I was in my early 20s, when I finished high school, we'll start there, when I finished high school, you always feel this pressure that when you're done high school, what do you do? You go away to school. So I finished high school. I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew that I was supposed to go to Bible college, but I was not living a life that would allow me to attend Bible college. And so I went to uh, Belleville, Loyalist Bible, or Loyalist Bible College, Loyalist College uh, for police foundations. I was there for about two to three weeks, and I just knew I wasn't supposed to be there. And so every night, I would sit in my apartment and literally, like, break down and cry and just know that I was not in the right place in my life, and I was not in the right place with God. And so I knew what I was supposed to do, but I just wasn't... I didn't decide to follow Christ close enough to be able to do it. And so I quit. I went home and worked in a sporting goods store. And all of a sudden, I ended up at Lakeshore Camp. And a lot of you know this part. But what you don't know is in that time period, because I quit, I bought a car. So I could get back and forth from work. Because in my early 20s, I didn't plan on going to Bible college. Or I didn't plan on going to school. So having a car payment and living at home was a sweet deal. And so I paid rent. Don't worry. I ate more than what I paid, though. But the, um, so all of a sudden, I end up at Lakeshore. I end up feeling God's call in my life and going to Bible college. Well, I go to Bible college when I am 20, uh, turning 23. So I still have three years to pay on this car. And so how many people know paying for school is tough on your own and paying for a car at the same time is just kind of a little insane? And so God was phenomenal. God always had work for me. He always provided for me. But all of a sudden, there was a time period when I was at Lakeshore, and I had no money. And I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't stupid with my money. I just didn't have it. And so my car payment was coming up, and I had like zero in the bank. Um, and so I had to call my dad. And I've never asked my dad for money. And so this was a very humbling experience for me. And when my dad answered the phone, I started to cry. And my dad, my McLaren family, we don't cry. And so my dad immediately had like a panic attack. And he kept just saying, Chad, I need to know what's wrong. Chad, I need to know what's going on. And so finally when I told him, he was like, oh, that's all? (laughs) And so he sent me a check the next day. But also what happened was it got to a point where I couldn't afford groceries. And so, all of a sudden, Melissa and I are dating by this time, and Melissa surprised me, and she showed up at the camp, and she's like, I'm going to go to your cottage, and I'm going to make you supper. And I was like, oh, great. And I turned and went back to work. She left, and all of a sudden, it hit me. She's going to realize that all I have in my place is rice. And so, within a little bit, she comes back to me, and she goes, what? What have you been eating? 
I'm like, rice? Yeah, but like, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Rice. What did you have for lunch? Rice. What were you planning on having for supper? Rice. And she's like, what do you even put on the rice? Margarine. <laughs> Salt and pepper. And so she left and she came back with all these groceries for me. But we know that sometimes when we're in so desperate need, I didn't tell anybody. My boss found out. And like my boss stood at my wedding, we're good friends. And when he found out that I literally was just down the street at the camp and I had nothing and him and his wife would sit in their house and have big dinners and he's like, Chad, why don't you tell me? And I'm like, well, it's kind of embarrassing. And so when we have these needs, these physical needs, we're going to talk today just about how Jesus can identify with this. Because on the cross, he said, as we continue in our series of the words that he said when he was on the cross, he said the words, I'm thirsty. And I know for some of us, we're like, well, okay. But whether you've been thirsty, hungry, cold, without water, without heat, without food, without a home, without clothes... Jesus was on the cross, he was dehydrated, he was giving up his life for us, and he reached out in a physical need and just said, I'm thirsty. And see, we read in, first, we read in John 19, 28, 29, it says, if you turn there with me, it says in John 19, verse 28, Later, knowing that everything had been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there and so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of hyspin plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. See, Jesus knows what it is to be in need. He, the night before, we have to remember, the night before, Jesus asked, Father, take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will. And we have to realize, Jesus, they say he sweat drops of blood. I read an article once, somebody did a study on what had to be happening in his physical body. The anxiety that he had to be feeling. For his body to actually, the pores start to bleed. So it was sweats, like his sweat was bleeding. They said the pressure that he had to be under for this to happen to him. He understands our stress. He understands our anxiety. He went through it to the point where he sweat drops of blood. And see, here's an interesting fact, and I didn't realize this until I started to look at this. When they soaked the sponge, and interesting, like, why did they tell you what the stock was? Like, they could have just stuck it on a, on a spear, they could have done whatever, but they stuck it on a stock, and I'm going to mess this up. I don't even know how to say that word. There you go. <laughs> Do you realize this is the same plant that Moses instructed the Israelites to dip the blood in to put around their doors? So the protection that Moses, the instrument that, you, that put the protection on their doors is the same plant that reached up to minister to Jesus. 
They didn't have to tell us this. And so it's just neat how God always brings stuff together and he always works things together. When Jesus says he's thirsty, he's identifying with your physical pain. See, we carry Jesus with us in good and in the bad. We carry both his death and his life in us so that it can be revealed through us. See, we find ourselves, we die to ourselves so Christ can be shone. And so we show people that we don't always do what we want to do. I'm like some of you. I wake up Sunday mornings and I'm like, I don't feel like going to church. Because the enemy doesn't want us here. We can be tired and we can be sore and we can be everything. We can have every reason not to come. Heard a story once of a pastor who woke up one morning and said, calling in sick. So he called in sick. He went golfing. And so he's playing in a golf course, obviously out of town. And he gets to this beautiful par three hole. And God and Jesus, they're talking up in heaven and they're like standing there, Moses is there, like, are you going to let this guy away with this or what? He shouldn't be golfing. He's supposed to be at the church preaching. God's like, don't worry about it. God, come on. It's on the par three. Tees it up, hits it, going straight at the flag. Drops, rolls into the cup, hole in one. Moses looks and goes, seriously? You let him have this? And God turns and looks at him and goes, who's he going to tell? <laughs> Two records, I've never called in sick and I've never got a hole in one, so. <laughs> but there's these moments in our lives we do things because God has asked us to. And we carry God with us so that people see it, whether it's good or bad. It's with him that in us and through us that people see this. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, he says in verse 6, for God said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power has is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despaired, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be also revealed in our mortal bodies. So when we trust God, we trust him when we don't understand. We lean on him in times of trouble, and we stay faithful to him when times just suck. We stay close. Because it speaks more volumes to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to people we come in contact with, when we are faithful when things are hard. When we stay strong, when we don't understand, and people, most people would turn their backs 
We might say, I don't understand, but I still trust God. I still trust him. I don't understand, but I still trust him. See, Paul was so thankful for his weaknesses. So when we are weak, that God is strong, he writes, most of you know this scripture, but it says in 2 Corinthians 12, it says in verse 6 to 10, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool. Because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warrant by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is significant. Suffice for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, we know that when we are weak in circumstances, and sometimes, but we just, in that moment, we choose to lean on Christ. Every one of us, we have these areas in our lives where maybe we're not confident, but God uses us in this area. God will strengthen us and work through us and breathe life into us just to help us when we go through struggles to stay positive. Just this year, I went through a time period, and Melissa can vouch for this, where I just walked with God on this journey of like weakness, and I was like, God, I don't get what's going on. And not sinful weakness, just weakness in believing in myself. And all of a sudden, in a moment, this, this went for a long time, and all of a sudden it was in a moment that God's presence just went into me. And all of a sudden my level of confidence went from like zero to just way up. And I just started asking God, God, why? And I had somebody give me a prophetic word and speak over my life during this time, and they felt, you know those awkward prophetic words? When she, she walked up to me, she's like, Chad, I got a word for you, but it feels weird. She's like, I feel, I see this like heaviness on you. And I'm like, yep. Which kind of gave her permission to continue. And she said, God's doing, she goes, this isn't an attack, it's God. And she said, when you get through this, what it is, is God wants you to understand who he is and who you are through him. And so all of a sudden when this happened, I remember we were driving to Melissa's parents and I was praying and I was asking God, I'm like, God, why did I just go through this? And if you weren't Melissa, nobody knew. And I just asked God, I'm like, God, why did you just put me through this for the last while? And I felt God say this to me, because that's who you are without me and I just needed you to know that this is who you are with me. So when you walk in confidence, Chad, that you know that it's fully me, so now when he goes to do something in and through my life, I can honestly go, it's not me. It's not me. And he took me on this journey and I was like, it was bad. I didn't like it. But it was enough for him just to say, here's why. Some of the things that happen in our lives, they're not fun. They're not good. There's no way to explain them. But God is always working. Our nitro was a gift from God. And when I say a gift from God, somebody gave it to us. Free, fully loaded nitro. It was incredible. It was the car that I've always wanted. 
And as soon as we moved here, it was like the first winter, second winter, the heater core clogged. I was like, this is fun, no heat. And so I took it to one mechanic, they couldn't do anything, they said it's gonna cost you about 2400 to fix it. And I was like, well, it's got heated seats. <laughs> and so somebody told me to go to another mechanic, and so I went to this other mechanic, and they were able to clear it out. And so I paid for this uh, heater core flush and everything, and then all of a sudden, no joke, two days later, no heat. So I went back to them, and they flushed it out. Two days later, no heat. So I went back to them, they flushed it out. So the mechanic called a friend of his who works with Dodge and was like, what's going on? Like well, this Dodge sandblasted these engines. And so eventually the sand came loose and would clog the heater cores. And he's like, so do we replace the heater core? And they're like, no, because if you replace it, it'll just clog again. So I went to my mechanics a couple times a week for the first winter. They were great to me. And I would show up with coffee for the two mechanics and myself, and we'd stand there as they flushed this thing out. And it got to a point where all of a sudden I went once a week and we were celebrating. <laughs> and the next winter, same thing. And so eventually now it's like once every couple of weeks, once every month, it depends. And I show up and I show up with coffee and they flush it out and we talk and we hang out. And, and the first winter that I was there all the time, the mechanic said to me, he's like, Chad, I don't get it. Most people at this moment would be freaking out. But you show up, you bring us coffee, and you just kind of chill with us and talk, and it doesn't seem like this bothers you. And I kind of looked at them, and I was just like, this is a nice coffee break for me, actually. But I got to know these guys. I got to talk with them. Neither of them go to church. And I found out their life stories, and I was able to share God with them and just share different ideas of life and the one guy showed up at our family skate day that we had and they know what happens here at the church and, and they're starting to ask more questions and I realized I remember saying to Melissa the first winter I remember coming home one time going I know why our heater core keeps clogging she's like why because God wants me at the garage all the time and I've made a connection with these guys, and I still, like, it's frustrating. I'll be honest, it's completely frustrating. But to see how God has moved and how I've been able to talk to these guys and sometimes even pray with one of them, it's, it's just amazing. But because I looked at it differently, it opened a door. They started asking questions. See, it's always fun to watch God that when the door opens, he opens a door for you to speak through because you're different. If I responded the same way, nothing would have changed. See, in John 4, we read about the Samaritan woman. And a lot of you know that story. If you go to John 4, you can look through it. But I'm just going to kind of highlight what happened. And so Jesus shows up at this well, and he, he's sitting there, and this lady comes out around noon, and everybody draws water earlier. And so she comes out, and Jesus asks for some water. And so she, she basically is kind of upset about this because, see, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Samaritans don't talk to Jews. So the fact that he's actually asking for water makes her kind of upset. So she kind of tells him no. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, in verse 10, and who it is that asks you, or asks you for a drink, 
you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she responds, you have nothing. She's saying, you have nothing to draw the water from. What are you talking about? And so Jesus replies and he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give you will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give you will become in them a stream of water, welling up to eternal life. See, she tries to pull Jesus to different conversations and Jesus keeps bringing it back. And he brings it back to not her physical need, but what she really needs. And so many times in our lives, we realize that God, you go to God for a need and he, you feel like he's ignoring you. But he's actually dealing with what you truly need. So maybe, what is my need? I need, my, I need heat in my nitron. I need to be there all the time. But God knew that I needed patience. And God knew that he needed me somewhere else. So I didn't get my answer to prayer because he was doing something else. How many times have we forgotten that Jesus knows truly what we really need? So you're praying for something and you feel like he's not answering it your way. But he is moving and he is answering it. See, Jesus quickly trying to just pokes at her a little bit to express who he is. And he says in verse 16, 17, he talks about her five husbands and the guy she's shacking up with now. And in verse 15, she kind of deflects it and tries to talk about, well, you guys worship here, we worship here. What do you say? So Jesus brings it back to the conversation. And all of a sudden the lady says in verse 25, she says, I know that Messiah called Christ. He's coming and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And in verse 26, Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And see, we've all been to this at some point in our lives. We've all been to a point where we're thirsty for something and we're looking in all the wrong places to satisfy it. We're thirsty for something. And we're looking everywhere for this satisfaction, but we're in all the wrong places. See, God's saying to you and to me, just as he was saying to her at the well, he's saying, I am the one, I'm the well. The one that you've been looking for, I'm it. The one that you've spent your whole life looking for, but you always seem to have this void in your heart and your void in, this, in your life, it's me, it's Jesus. What you're searching for, it's me. So let's get personal for a second. What are the wrong wells that you've been trying to drink from in your life? What have you been trying to fill in your life to, that you're not filling with God? And see, at the moment, some people, if you're a believer, you're like, oh, this is for non-believers. No, this is for believers as well. Because there's parts of our lives that we may not let God into. There's parts of our lives that he doesn't have full access to. Because we don't believe he can fulfill it. Maybe it's a relationship well. Maybe you've put someone else before God. Maybe you're leaning on somebody else to be your strength, to be your confidence, to be your love and your support. You're looking for approval from somebody else and you never feel like you can get this full approval because it's not supposed to come from that person. Maybe it's a well of success or accomplishment. If I get to this promotion or if I get this grade or if I get this job, if I get this house or if I get this car, if I get this, I get that. But there always seems to be this emptiness. 
Because all of a sudden you get the promotion, but it's still empty. All of a sudden you buy the house, it still feels the same. Because we're pulling on the wrong things. Jason Small was here back in the fall and he spoke and he tells this story of when he was in, I think, a missions trip in Cuba. He was down there and the last day that he was there, he was going to leave and he went to this mud hut and spent time with this family and, and they cooked him an egg and he was pretty sure it was their last egg and it was just one room in this mud hut and this family all lived there. And he said they all ran around with smiles on their face and they're all happy and they're excited and they're joyful. And he left their house and he got on a plane and he flew into Miami and he spent a night at his friend's house who lives in Miami and his friend is very successful. And Jason tells the story of how he sat in their backyard looking at his yacht and he told Jason, he's like, if you want anything to eat, just ask the chef, he'll make it for you. I'm telling you things to understand where he's sitting. But they sit and have a conversation about how his life is just miserable. And Jason tells a story of how he went from a mud hut with joy and excitement to what we believe is everything. This beautiful home, these nice cars, this yacht, everything, and not happy. And Jason says it just speaks volumes to him on where we find true happiness. See, Christ is our only true source of satisfaction. Stephen Frittick, he writes this, he says, so many things in our lives promise to give us satisfaction but let us down in the end we're just not capable of giving they're just not capable of giving us all we want and all we need but Jesus is a well that satisfies and if we would learn to drink more deeply from this well our thirst would be quenched Psalm 61 or 63 1 says you God are my God Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in dry and parched lands where there is no water. Isaiah 55, 1 says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who, who have no money, come, buy and eat. Jesus was able to make it through his pain on the cross because he knew it was accomplishing something. There is a purpose to your pain too. A way that living water will flow through you to others. Whether it's your health, a broken heart, or a broken dream, God is accomplishing something. He is accomplishing something. And every one of us, we've had hard times, and we will have hard times until we see Jesus face to face because we live in a fallen world. But we can trust in him that he's doing something. And I'm not trying at the moment to minimize or over-spiritualize or make light of your suffering. But I'm trying to uplift you and encourage you that God is moving. He's doing something even when you can't see it. See, the interesting thing is, is when we exercise our bodies, our bodies will physically feel pain to make it stronger. Because what happens is our muscle fibers actually tear and that's what builds your muscles stronger. And so in our spiritual life, sometimes there's some pain, there's sometimes there's some hurt that will make us stronger. And we don't know what God is doing. If you're suffering and you want, to, and you need to know what Jesus, sorry, if you're suffering and what you need to know is what Jesus knew, 
that there's a purpose. What that purpose might be as God's working out through you, you might just need to ask him, and he might show you, he might not. But you can trust that he's working. And although it may not change your outer circumstances, it will transform your inner. One of the things I've been trying to do personally, and I shared it with this random guy in the Edison Cafe, and I think he might be one of the owners or something after the conversation went on. But he just asked me, randomly asked me, like, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. And so he's quickly, he's like, well, what's your secret? And instead of jumping to super spiritual right away, I just went, well, so with everything going on in my life, I try, if I concentrate on one thing at a time, I feel like I don't get overwhelmed. If I looked at everything at one time, then I feel overwhelmed. And so we started talking, and then he asked me, like, so do you work in town? I'm like, yeah, where do you work? I'm like, I'm a pastor at Bethel Church. And so we just talked a little bit. But what, what pulled him into the conversation was just the fact of what I've been trying to do. Am I successful at it? Some days, some moments. And some days I get overwhelmed. But I truly believe in my own heart that with Jesus, I can get through anything. But if I concentrate on everything, I do feel overwhelmed. But if I look at one situation, I can go with God and me, I, we can get through this. My outer circumstances doesn't change, just my inner. See, when Jesus was pierced in his side and the water and blood poured out, it was so that our thirst could be satisfied. He would rise and be resurrected power just as the living water in his, in his spirit springs up in us to give us resurrection power no matter what we're going through. It's that same spirit that lives in us. It's a source of satisfaction and can be, that can never de de uh, be depleted from us. And it's for you and it's for me. When we go through hard times, we can trust that God's doing something. I had the privilege, um, and for family in the room, I want you to know I, I have permission to share this. I had the privilege of being at the hospital on Friday when Steve and Jillian had their baby boy. And for you that know their story, They've texted and told me to say that God gets all the glory. What a lot of people don't know is when he was born, he had some breathing problems. And if you know their history, how about a year and a half ago, they had twins. And the foster is with them and bear is with Jesus. So they've gone through this. They have walked through this. And they have lots of questions, as family does. And on Friday, as nurses switched shifts and nurses came in off shift and as doctors have been there to support them through this, Steve texts me and he says, can you come? And I was going to get coffee for Steve and I. He's like, when you get here, can you come up? We need you to pray for him right away. So I skipped out on coffee and I went straight to the hospital. And I came upstairs and Steve was there and Steve was doing well. And he brought me into the room and he's like, Chad, we need you to come pray. 
And I wasn't sh- we figured out that I was allowed to come into the room and, and because of the past, you can imagine Steve is talking to me and he's expressing his concern and all these things. And, and so we get invited into the room and the doctor just left and the nurses are there and Steve asked, like, can he pray over them? I'm like, sure. And so the nurses start walking away and, and the nurses were like, you don't have to go anywhere. And so I just, Steve holds his little boy's hand and I just put my hand over top of the baby and we pray. And you can hear his breathing. And as we pray, I see the little boy just take a deep breath and relax. And from there, his breathing was fine. And Steve and I, and when I say his breathing was fine, his breathing was, has been fine ever since. And we walked out of the room, and we went down, we saw Jill, and we told her what had just happened, and we came back, and the doctors and the nurses have shared their amazement. And one nurse said, if she wasn't in the room, she wouldn't have believed it. And one of them talked to me, they're like, most of them, they don't understand, and so they'll walk up to me, and they'll be like, good job. And I don't know how to respond, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, so I just say, I'm like, I try not to super spiritualize it, but I'm just like, it's nice to see God move. And here's what Steve kept saying to me. Chad, I'm so intrigued to see what this ripple effect is going to do. And he texted me this morning, and he said, Chad, let them know that this is kind of, this is, this is Bear's story as well. That this hospital got to see the faithfulness with no understanding. There is, there, is, there is no answer that I can give. There is no answer that any one of you can give, and please don't try to bring peace to that. but just trusting that God's doing something. And then this happens. And to hear them and to see the nurses talking and the doctors talking. And I just said, I'm like, it's nice when we see God move. And I was honest with one of the nurses because when I prayed and this happened, I know as a pastor and as a leader and as a Christian, we're supposed to go, well, of course God did it. But to see it happen like that, It blew my mind. And I remember saying to one of the nurses that when it happened, I said, I know I'm supposed to tell you, well, of course. But when it happened, I just, I said, I said, I said right to her, and like, I was like, whoa, did that just happen? But to see the effect that it's having, to see that no matter what's happening in our lives, I know it doesn't bring comfort. Hear my heart. I realized for me to say, God's doing something. You're not instantly going to lift your head and be like, I feel great. (laughs) I understand that. But there's an underlying confidence that we can have. And now this couple, to walk with them and to come back later that day and to see the doctors still talking, to see the nurses talking, to see this ripple effect, they text and they say, We're interested to see how this impacts. And he says, let them know to just trust, period. 
that whatever you go through, do not let the circumstances define how much you trust him. Their words. No matter what circumstances you go through, don't let it define how much you trust him. Because he's working. He's digging wells as you are going through it. So when you go through hard things in life, God's digging a well within you. When you're disappointed or hurt, God's digging a well. When things happen around you, you don't understand, he's digging. When people in your life that you care about walk away, he's digging. He's digging a well of living water that will flow from you if you allow him. It will flow from you. As we talked before, that we're, we're a church that's gonna be a river that flows into Stratford. It flows from you no matter where you walk, where you go. His power will flow through you. Revelation 7, 16 and 17, it says this. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor the scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to, his, to, the, to springs of living water. And, he will, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's pray. Father, as we walk through journeys in our life, as we walk through hard times and struggles, I pray, Father, that we understand that you're digging. That if we allow you, Holy Spirit, to work through us, and if we choose today not to let our circumstances define how we serve you, define how we trust you, define how we walk with you, then Lord, when we're in those times, Holy Spirit, you're able to remind us, still trust, still trust, still trust. Because Father, many times it takes years to see what happens. It takes long times to see things that you're doing. But Father, even today, as, as hospital staff hear stories because of your power, God, that Father, we don't know what's going to come of this. We don't know how you're going to move. We don't know what hearts you're going to shift and change. But Father, I pray in this room right now that there's hearts shifting and changing. And that Holy Spirit, the ones in the room at this moment that are in it, they're in the midst of it and they don't understand. I pray for peace just to flow through this room. I pray, Father, for peace just to flow through this room. That Holy Spirit, that we choose today that whether we understand or don't understand, that Holy Spirit, you will lift us up. And that we will trust you to the end. We will trust you to the end. And that, Father, we decide that we're going to worship you. That, Father, we'll be a light. And for Holy Spirit, the ones in the room that just maybe need a glimpse of what you're doing, show them. Show them. 
Show them what you're doing. And Holy Spirit, help us to open up our hearts to you. To be able to say to you, Father, as Jesus did, not my will, but your will. That, Father, in the moments when I need a breakthrough, but you know I need to learn more patience, that I'm open to that. That, Father, when I need something to change, but you know I need to grow in my trust with you, that I'll persevere and endure. So, Father, right now, just begin to speak into people's hearts and lift them up. Let's just stand together. We're just going to sing this chorus together. And maybe you're here and you're just saying, Chad, that's me this morning. I just need to trust a little bit more. Maybe you need somebody just to pray with you, to lift you up, because your circumstance is hard. And that's what the family's for. That's what the church family is for. That's why we're here, to pray and to support one another. So we're going to ask our ministry team to come. And if you're here this morning, and you're in a tough time, and you're like, Chad, I'm thirsty. And I recognize that I'm going to the wrong wells. I need to trust God more. Then come as we sing. Come and somebody will pray with you. Somebody will lift you up. They'll encourage you. They'll stand with you so that you can make it through. Jesus, we thank you that we can trust you. That no matter what's happening, we can lean on the understanding that you have us. That when we don't understand, you understand. When we don't know, you know. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through struggles in your life and you just don't have the confidence that Jesus is there for you because you don't have a relationship with him. And so all the things that I'm sharing, it doesn't really make sense to you because you're just not connected to God. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and he's drawing you to a relationship with Jesus. So even in those moments when you don't understand, you can walk in peace and in confidence. If that's you here this morning, if I can just get people to just close their eyes. If you're here this morning, you say, Chad, that's me. I'd like to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior this morning. With every eyes closed in the place, if you just raise your hand, get it up nice and high. People are standing. Just lift it up high. We just want to pray with you this morning. Anybody just to accept Jesus this morning as our Lord and Savior. sinner 
I ask you to forgive my sins. Wash me clean with Jesus' blood. I receive Jesus as the Son of God to be Lord over my life. I want to turn from my old life and follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my life. Guide me. Lead me as I serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we just give a hand? if you just raise your hand, I would encourage you as we dismiss, come forward. One of the people at the front will pray with you. They'll just talk to you and just uh, walk you through your choice that you just made and tell you the next step that we have here at Bethel for you. And so, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the reassurance, Lord, that you are with us through it all. And that, Father, no matter what is happening, you're working. And that, Father, we can lean on the promise that you work all things out for the good for those who love you. And so, Father, help us to trust you. Help us to let our light shine because, Lord, we trust in you. We lean on you so that it will affect other people because they see the faith we have in you. And so, Lord, protect us. Keep us safe this week. Let us be that light. Shine through us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.